Hey everybody, today we talk about the rise of new occultism. We talk about tax the rich, but not the dress maker. We also talk about masks for thee and not for me. And Facebook wants your children. That's a fact. Welcome to your favorite night of the week. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. So what are we at? We're at uh, episode four of season five already. Can you believe that? It's episode four of season five. Hello, everybody. Welcome in Tuesday night, 730 to the deep end. My name is Tim. I am your gracious host. And would you let me know down in the comments that you are watching or where you are watching from down in the comments? I always check the comments and I love the comments, love the feedback. Also, subscribe if you haven't already at youtube.com slash Tim Live. That's where you want to go for the channel for now. Why do I say for now? Why do I say for now? Because... Because we are headed to Rumble. Woohoo! Rumble is coming. And uh, you want to check us out at timhatchlive.com slash rumble. I love doing this uh, show. I hope you do too. And we're going to get into a little bit of deep end commentary. Let's do it. When you don't know what to do. I want to talk about something. This is a serious problem for our country, for our world, and it's, it's, it's a serious topic. I want to talk to you about the rise of cultish behavior. America has become, or is becoming, a land of very strong cults. <laughs> now, I, I remember reading somewhere that since World War II, in America alone, over 800 religions have been started in this country since World War II. That's 70 plus, 80 plus years ago now. We're talking about occults. We're talking about the New Age movement. We're talking about unorthodox Christian denominations. There are thousands upon thousands of these. We're talking about the influx of Eastern religions from India and the Far East. Uh, but now in the 21st century, the you know, 2000s, we are experiencing the rise of new cults. And cults are destructive uh, because they do a lot of things for the few at the expense of the many. Hear that again. Cults do a lot of things, or I would say favor the few, okay, for the sake of the many. Uh, cults tend to deify a human. They uh, point the finger at everyone else, not in the cult. It's always us versus them. The people in the cult are usually adamantly prepared to fight for their cult, for what they believe. Many of you might remember a cult leader in not too distant uh, history of America named David Koresh. David Koresh was a cult leader in the Waco cult, um, the Branch Davidians. Do you remember this guy? There he is on the screen. Uh, before there was Chip and Joanna Gaines in Waco, <laughs> Waco was known for the Branch Davidians. And I am not relating those two groups together at all. I love Fixer Upper. My wife loves, well, I should say my wife loves Fixer Upper and I'm forced to watch it. Anyway, but, uh, but in Waco, Texas, in the 1980s and early 90s, there was this cult. It was called the Branch Davidians. And this guy on the screen, uh, his name is David Koresh. He was the cult leader. He sired several children through the wives of other men. He had this strange belief. This is a weird, strange belief. 
Yeah, he believed that he had he needed to sire uh, twenty four children uh, from twenty four different wives who were married to other members of the cult. So this is a weird way of justifying his sexual morality and adultery. He literally slept with the women who were married to other men in the cult to to produce the twenty four ruling elders that are found in the millennium. In the book of Revelation, this is this is what happens with with cult leaders. You you misinterpret the Bible, you twist it to manipulate people. Well, he stockpiled weapons. Uh, he built a compound uh, with this with this cult. Uh, he exploited many of the people's savings accounts, um, their retirement accounts. A lot of people gave, literally handed over to this man their life savings. And then the accusations came that he was exploiting the young girls for sex. He may have physically abused some of the young girls. And that's when the federal government got involved, when, when he crossed that line. And then they sent in a spy. There's been a lot of shows about this. I tried to watch the one that was on Netflix. I couldn't get through it because the acting was so poor. Anyway, 1993, Attorney General uh, Janet Reno, I don't know if you remember her, uh, she sent in the federal agents to arrest David Koresh and chaos ensued. And what began as an initial firefight that killed uh, four federal agents and six branch Davidians led to a 51 day standoff between members of the sect and the federal agents uh, at what they called Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel was eventually then destroyed in a fire. Uh, when the federal agents went in under the direction of Janet Reno, 79 branch Davidians died including 21 children under the age of 16 on April 19th, 1993. The origins of the fire still are not even known. It was a disaster. It was a disaster for the federal government that got involved. It was a disaster for the nation. It was very sad, but it was a picture of what happens when we exalt a person to godlike status, someone that is not God, someone that is not named Jesus Christ, okay? When we exalt a human being, to godlike status, we are going to cost ourselves and our culture and our children greatly. And because the Christian faith and biblical truth is sorely lacking in the minds of many, many Americans, we have begun to turn to all sorts of Messiah-like figures for hope. And that's our current cultural moment. We are looking to almost anyone for the hope that Jesus Christ alone can give. And that brings us to the rise of the occult, the new cult. And I want to talk about the cultish behavior presently existing in our society. Let me give you five facts about cultish behavior before we get to the cults. Number one, a human leader is exalted to godlike status. Number two, almost nothing can change the followers' minds about the leader. Number three, hope for a world made right is placed upon that leader. Number four, the leader does not have to follow the rules. <laughs> that's, the, that's the great thing about being the, the cult leader. And then number five, eventually the leader is gone and the people, dismayed, they find another leader. They just go and change cults. This is where we are, guys. This is where America is. But we're not following weird, strange people like David Koresh anymore. Or I don't know if you remember the Heaven's Gate people who waited for the comet to come around and they all killed themselves in a mass suicide in some Texas uh, house. We aren't looking to them anymore. No, no, no. We are looking to our world leaders. We're looking to our national leaders. And I, I bring you to the cult of politics. 
where we are doing the five signs of cultish behavior with regard to our politicians. I bring you to uh, this billboard. This billboard, which was up uh, in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. And for those of you who are just listening on the podcast, it's a picture of Donald Trump with the quote from Isaiah, unto us the son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And then the reference joint heirs, Romans 8, 17. So they kind of like take Isaiah and they take Romans and they kind of mash them together and they apply it to Donald Trump. Well, this somebody paid for this billboard. I can't believe somebody actually paid for this billboard to go up on, uh, on, on a highway. It was there for two weeks. The backlash was astounding. People freaked out as they should have. And I want to say to you that every Christian who sees this sign should be disgusted. Every Christian should be disgusted that we would attribute Messiah-like status. Anyone would attribute Messiah-like status to President Donald Trump. And I voted for the guy. But he is not Messiah. And he is not God. And he is not president anymore. But we have to be careful because I see this happening more and more. I see cultish behavior in the church regarding our political leaders. Now, this is not just a right-wing issue. This is not just a Republican issue. This is, a, this is also a left-wing issue. Uh, uh, several years ago, in 2012, uh, Jamie Foxx came under fire for referring to Barack Obama as, quote, our Lord and Savior, end quote, at the Soul Train Awards. Of course, Catholics got all mad and Christians got all mad. And that should, that should be the case. Then there was this painting. There was a painting that was made of uh, Barack Obama. Hardly anyone reported it. Uh, but a New York-based artist named Michael D'Antuano painted this. It's called The Truth. And it features Obama there with a crown of thorns on his head in a position that is reminiscent of the crucifixion. And, and people freaked out about that. And, they were, and rightly they should. But this kind of thing is on the rise in our culture. And what happens is when we make our politicians these cult-like leaders, these, these cult-like leaders offering us hope, we pay the price. And the cult just like in the case of the Branch Davidians, favors the few at the expense of the many. So this cult-like behavior exists in that we don't hold these leaders accountable anymore. Like nobody, hardly anybody, is reporting that the Pentagon had to admit that they killed 10 civilians, including up to seven children, in the Kabul drone strike last month that President Biden ordered in response to the 13 military members who were killed in the suicide attack at the airport. Nobody's referring to, nobody's reporting that. Hardly anybody reported that that after Obama's birthday party, where we talked about on this channel, that there was tons of maskless celebrities hanging out and partying with Obama. Well, guess what? Just a week later on Martha's Vineyard, there was a COVID outbreak where several people came down with a sickness after a uh, bunch of unmasked celebrities partied with the former president. This is what happens in cult-like behavior. We favor the few at the expense of the many. And when we turn our politicians into saviors, we suffer. This is so important to talk about. Last week, I talked to you about the Met Gala, where the Met Gala really was an expose on the fact that America is becoming Pan Am, that's that fictional country that was <laughs> displayed in the Hunger Games movie. And I, I showed you this picture, uh, this, these two side-by-side -side pictures. I put them back up. On the right, we have uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, this congresswoman from uh, New York, with the Tax the Rich um, dress. And then her dress designer is there to the right. More about her in just a moment. But on the left, we have the help at the Met Gala, all masked up. So the rich celebrities, the famous people, not masked up. The help alone, 
all messed up. So, so here we have district, right? This is uh, district, sorry, district 11, if you will. <laughs> and over here we have the capital. And that is where we are as a country because we have become cultish and we become divided and we fight each other instead of calling our leaders to account. Now let's talk about this person here on the right. This is the designer of the Tax the Rich um, dress. Her name is Aurora James. And uh, guess what happened? Aurora James has not paid income tax. <laughs> this again, not reported widely. But she owes $100,000 in taxes to several states. She apparently received $41,000 in pandemic assistance. This uh, article that I read also says that she treats her employers, uh, employees as sweatshop employees. One of her employees was afraid to talk to her or ask her for her check. She failed to pay rent for her company at multiple locations. This is the designer of the dress saying tax the rich who doesn't pay taxes and is rich and doesn't pay rent. But nobody holds them to account. Do you know why? Because this is cultish behavior. These are the signs of a cult. You ever see, you ever have, I know, I know some people in my church, they had family members get caught up into a cult. You literally could not change their mind. And this is our problem with our politics right now. Both sides are full of errors. Both sides are human. Both sides have issues. But literally, no one can change their mind for fear of their cult being exposed for the frauds that it is. And right now, we're seeing it way more, way more on the left than on the right. That's just, that's just a fact right now. I mean, we were seeing it under Donald Trump's presidency, and now we're seeing it under Biden's presidency. And this push, this progressive push to the left in this cult, it is cultish behavior. And we've got to call people to account. Which leads me to the other side of the country, San Francisco Mayor London Breed. That's her. I've got the arrow pointing to her. She was at a small-ish concert in downtown San Francisco last week. I think it was last Thursday. Maskless, celebrating, having a good time. And you know what? I'm all for her having a good time. In fact, she was dancing and celebrating and rejoicing. It's good for her. Hang out with your friends. By the way, I am not against this. I am not against this at all. You take off that mask. You have a good time. She says she's vaccinated. Everyone in attendance was required to be vaccinated. But the trouble is, the trouble is that San Francisco has some of the strictest mask mandates in the country. And many people spoke out about her hypocrisy. Even the San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Gate newspapers or online publications now had to call her out of it. This is from the San Francisco Gate article title, Mayor London Breed violates San Francisco's strict mask mandate, which city has yet to soften. And, and from the article, it says this, even though COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are rapidly declining in San Francisco County, the city has not yet set a timeline for when it may modify and lift or lift its indoor mask mandate, which requires all individuals, all individuals, okay, regardless of vaccination status, to wear masks indoors. Per the San Francisco Chronicles, uh, Mer 
uh, Mirarkar Mendoza. Uh, Breed was maskless for the duration of the indoor event, as were other attendees. The city's health order allows only only allows for masks to be removed while actively eating or drinking. It states, quote, people are urged to be seated at a table or positioned at a stationary counter or place while eating or drinking. But no one is saying anything about this. No one is calling these people out. These cult-like political leaders. And this is a serious problem for our country because the cult leader really doesn't pay that much. It's always the followers that end up paying. And it's always rules for me, but uh, rules for thee, but not for me. And this is the most, this is the craziest part of the story from San Francisco Mayor London Breed. She was called to account at a uh, news press gathering, kind of like an impromptu gathering. They, They approached her in an open air setting and they asked her about, this event and and here was her response you're not going to believe this check this out i had a good time at the black cat and i think it's sad that um this is even a story um the fact is um there was something that was really um monumental that occurred and that is tony 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 the original members the brothers rafael sadiq and Dwayne wiggins who have not performed in public for, I believe, at least over 20 years. They are just really um, some of the most incredible artists in the history of this country and the Bay Area in particular. And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. No, I'm not going to sip and put my mask on. Sip and put my mask on. Sip and put my mask on. Eat and put my mask on. Can Thank I you. ask you one more question? It's just this specific paragraph I was asked to ask you about. It says, this is in, in a published report, it says that a video, again, this is nitpicky, but it is what it is. Uh, a video shows a massless breed neither seated at a table nor positioned at a stationary counter, standing and dancing without any food or drinks in her hand. She also posed for photos while not wearing a mask. Okay, so just to be clear, um, um, I was sitting at my table and when... I don't know about you and whether or not you know who Raphael Sadiq and Dwayne Wiggins are, but I don't know about you, but if you know who they are, I don't care where you're sitting. You're going to get up and start dancing. My drink was sitting at the table. I got up and started dancing because I was feeling the spirit and I wasn't thinking about a mask. I was thinking about having a good time and in the process, I was following the health orders. Not to mention the Chronicle reporter who walked up to me had no mask in sight. When I took a picture, as I do in any case or do an interview, yes, I take my mask off when I want to take a picture. I don't need to, I'm vaccinated. I don't need to wear a mask and take a picture every single time. I don't want to. But at the same time, I'm being careful to not only protect myself and to protect other people. This is nitpicking. This is really unfortunate. And let me tell you, when the spirit moves you because you are watching history in the making, Bay Area royalty perform, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to turn around and look for where my mask is or look to see and make sure I'm picking up a drink. I'm just going to let the spirit move. I especially love that last line. (laughs) I'm going to let the spirit move. You see, the cultish behavior is our politicians worship. 
celebrities or singers or performers or artists in the uh, medieval times they would call these the court jesters the people who were there to entertain the royalty like this is what's happening as our culture continues to devolve from christian truth from the dignity of of all people and we start to elevate certain people at the expense of others and i thought you know what she had such a great excuse for not wearing a mask because she was at her quote unquote church worshiping Tony, Tony, Tony. I thought, here we go. My church needs to know, and maybe you could set this up, new church guidelines for worship. Okay. So here's like guideline number one. To be clear, if you know who Jesus Christ is, if you know who he is, I don't care where you are, you're going to get up and start dancing and singing. Amen, London, Mayor London Breed. <laughs> number two. Um, you can't think about a mask when Jesus Christ is in the room. Woo. <laughs> Amen. That's right. And number three, when the spirit moves you and you're worshiping divine royalty, you don't look for where your mask is. You're just going to let the spirit move. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mayor London Breed, for reminding us that some people are worth breaking the mask mandates for. But this is the cult that we live in. The cult of political leaders who are the voices of hope, who we can't even see the faults of, and it, it's going to cost us. They're not going to pay taxes. They're not going to wear masks. They're not going to do what we're all demanded to do on the airplane. I was on the airplane the other day. You literally have to pull it down, sip, and then put it back up, and pull it down, and sip, and pull it back, down, back up. I guess maybe the answer is, let's bring Tony, Tony, Tony onto the airplanes. Let's bring a celebrity onto the airplanes, let them perform for us, and then we can all just drink and eat normally without masks. That might actually solve a lot of these problems, right? I guess wherever old-time celebrities who are touring again for the first time are mask mandates no longer matter. And I think we've got to wake up to what's happening here. This is cultish behavior, which brings me to another cult. And it's the cult of social media, the cult of social media. Here's another power player in our country, uh, the corporate world. So we've got the politicians, we've got the celebrities, and now we've got the corporate world. They're all in the same team. They're all playing for the same team to take your rights away, to sell you their product and their hope to make money off of you without concern for your health and well-being. And, and, and there is no greater evidence of this than social media giant Facebook. Facebook was told uh, this past week with clear scientific evidence that their platform Instagram is harmful to the self-image of younger people, most particularly young girls. And guess what Facebook says? We don't care. This is the Wall Street Journal reporting. The title of the article is Facebook knows Instagram is toxic for teen girls. Company documents show. Its own in-depth research shows a significant teen mental health issue that Facebook downplays in public. Now, I, I, I weep for the, the young people of this country who don't presently have a voice and really don't have the mental capacity to see through the illusion that is Instagram and social media. But they're hurting you. They're hurting you, young people. And you need to stay, you need to wake up and take notice because this is your life, okay? It doesn't really do anything to me for you to get ruined by Instagram. It does a lot to you. I want to run down some facts for you because this is important. 
that we expose this. See, Facebook, uh, 40% of its users are under the age of 22. I'm sorry, this is um, Instagram. 40% of Instagram users are under the age of 22. 22 million teens log into Instagram daily. Uh, only 5 million on Facebook. So the lion's share of our teenagers are using Instagram on a daily basis. Uh, the annual revenue for Facebook with their Instagram uh, platform is $100 billion. That is a monster. Now, Facebook has consistently downplayed the app's negative effects on teens and hasn't made its research public or available to academics or law lawmakers who have asked for it. And instead of referencing their own data supporting the negative effects of Instagram, Facebook executives in public have often pointed to the studies from the Oxford Internet Institute that have shown little correlation between social media use and depression. The problem with the Oxford Internet Institute is that Facebook has in the past been a huge donor to a researcher at the Oxford Institute. <laughs> you see how they're all playing for the same team? So that brings in, that brings in the academic world. So the political cl class, the celebrity class, the corporate class, and now the research class, the scientific class. So they pay the researcher to promote studies that actually suppress the truth that their platform hurts young girls. Some uh, Instagram researchers said it was challenging to get the other colleagues uh, to hear the gravity of their findings. Uh, they say we're standing directly between the people and their bonuses. Uh, this is this is what's happening. So so money's at stake for Facebook to be to be called to account for what's happening with their platform. Uh, repeatedly, the company's research found that Instagram is harmful to a sizable percentage of the most notably teenage girls. Uh, I bring you to that statistic. Thirty two percent of teen girls said that uh, they feel worse about their bodies after being on Instagram. So they already and this is a tr this is a fact for all teenage girls. If you've raised a teenage girl or you are a teenage girl, you know this. They all naturally feel bad about their bodies. Instagram, they go to it, they feel worse. 13% of British users and 6% of American users traced their desire to kill themselves to Instagram. Th these are sad facts. And I wish that it got better. It doesn't get better. Actually, it gets worse. These are some quotes from teenagers. I felt like I had to fight to be considered pretty or even visible. Uh, this is another quote after looking through photos on Instagram. I felt like, or I feel like I am too big or not pretty enough. It makes me feel insecure about my body, even though I know I'm skinny. Another quote, every time I feel good about myself, I go over to Instagram and then it all goes away. That's Eva Barron, 17 year old student at Redwood high school. Uh, and then this one, Miss Vlazoza, Vlazova says, when I went on Instagram, all I saw were images of chiseled bodies and perfect abs, women doing hundred burpees in 10 minutes. Uh, this is Ms. Vlasova, a teenager who started seeing a therapist due to developing an eating disorder from her time spent on Instagram. And, and, and here's, again, where we get the cultish behavior. Do you know why? Because Instagram or Facebook likes to claim that uh, Instagram is a level platform where everybody plays by the same rules. But that's not true. That's not true. Actually, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has stated Publicly, Facebook Inc. allows its more than 3, million bu uh, billion, sorry, 3 billion users to speak on equal footing with the elites on politics, culture, and journalism, and that its standards of behavior apply to everyone no matter their status or fame. That's a lie. In private, the company, this is from the Washington Journal uh, article, in private, the company has built a system that exempted 
high profile users from some or all of its rules, according to company documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> this is cultish behavior. So you, if you don't see it yet, you, you've got to see it. Because what you're seeing is, you're seeing the, what are we talking about now? The four-pronged cult team, cult leader team, the political class, the corporate class, the celebrity class, the institutional class, and they're all coming for you. And they're all trying to shape you. And they're all trying to cajole you. And they're all trying to conform you into someone that they want you to be, i.e. dependent on them for the hope that you need in this world the hope and the happiness. But what they keep selling you does not actually provide what it promises. This is a cult. This is cultish behavior. And the people who pay are not the leaders. The leaders make out fine. They become laws unto themselves. They become elites. And the people who pay are the ones who follow them. Wake up. And so I thought, here we go. I'm going to bring in an expert to the deep end, and I'm glad to have her on. She's actually my daughter. And so I'm bringing her on for a new segment on the deep end called The Conversation. Watch this. Olivia Hatch, welcome to the deep end. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here. Anything that she says that's good is because of me and Cheryl. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, Olivia, you have your head on your shoulders, and I'm proud of you about that. Thank you. Thank you. But you much. see the problems, and I shared with you from the Wall Street Journal the details of all the serious problems that are going on with kids with social media the oh, yeah. suicide, the depression, mm -hmm. the anxiety. And you, we raised you in this age. You came into, uh, I think, your early teens when social media and Instagram were just about to start taking over your yeah. generation. Yeah. And you did have an Instagram early on in your life. Yeah, since fifth grade. Oh, from fifth grade. Yeah, fifth I didn't grade. even know it was that early. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have an Instagram. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so today I want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about because the parents, you need to listen and you need to pay attention to what your kids are doing online because this is a new world and it's dangerous and it's yeah. not to be messed with. And so Olivia, tell us, you're not on Instagram. Tell us why. So this October, actually, it's going to be two years of no Instagram use. Um, and I realized this um, when, I don't even remember when to be honest, I think it was just one day I was just scrolling through and I was just really feeling discontent. And that's the feelings that I've been feeling for a while using Instagram and everybody knows it. Um, every teen knows this, you know, they know that Instagram's not good for you. They know that social media makes you feel bad about yourself. And I was just sitting there feeling bad about myself. And then I just realized, I was like, do I really care? And I think it was also at the time there was a lot of political things that people were posting and I was like, I just don't care. I don't care that you're the expert on these political issues. I don't care that you're going to the gym. And then I realized I was just putting so much pressure on myself to post things. I was putting so much pressure on myself how, to, how I look on Instagram. And it was just like, if I just deleted Instagram, then I wouldn't have to worry about that. It was just kind of like me being lazy. I guess that's the way that other people would see it, is like too lazy to just figure it out and how to be um, an Instagram model or whatever. But then I realized after deleting it, there was a lot of other things that opened my eyes. Um, not just also body issues, not just also comparison, which um, I have a whole list of things that we'll get into later about why I just don't like social media for kids. Um, but also, it actually feeds a lot of industries that are out to get your children, out to get you. They want your money. They want 
um, you to just continue to abuse social media because they're the ones profiting from it. And the number one thing that um, I'm very passionate about is the pornography industry. I really do think that pornography is the industry that's benefiting most from social media, yeah. especially in young kids. So, so yeah, that's, my, that's my second question. Was what are your peers that you know of that are doing, what are they doing on social media that you think is detrimental and actually leads probably to their mental health issues? What are those things? Yeah. So I actually do have a story. Um, one day, so I actually used to really be into photography. So my friends obviously knowing that I liked photography and had a nice camera, they're not gonna obviously miss the opportunity to let, have nice pictures to post. So one day we went to the beach, I did a nice photo shoot for my friends. Um, and afterwards, I will never forget this, we were just sitting on the beach and what I really hated about doing photo shoots with my friends is that they instantly wanted the pictures. So they, you know, take my camera, they figured out how to download the pictures on their phone because, you know, nowadays cameras can actually connect to your phone. They download the pictures instantly and they're like spending literally an hour looking at the pictures, right? So while this is happening, mind you, they're also arguing about how they look in the pictures. I'm sitting here on the beach by myself, technically because they're, you know, doing their own thing. But I look, at, I look over and I see this young 13-year-old girl probably um, she and her mom were walking together. Her mom just leaves her. I don't know why her mom decided to leave her, but she leaves her daughter to, to decide to just take pictures. So she has her bikini on. She's like setting up her camera at this lifeguard stand and she's taking pictures of herself in her bathing suit. And I was like, she's by herself, you know? And her mom just leaves her. At, like, you know, some man could just grab this kid out of nowhere. And then while that's happening, I look to my left and I actually see this family, probably of like younger people. They look like they're in the early 30s. They have a baby. They have a probably six or seven year old girl. So they're having their seven, six year old daughter take pictures of them. <laughs> <laughs> looking like they're having the best time at the beach, looking yeah. like, you know, their life is so great. Family vacation. Woohoo. And the baby, look, mind you, this little girl holding their child, their baby, while using another hand to take pictures of them. And. It's just crazy to me that social media is this important for people to yeah. every moment is like a, a photo shoot. Every moment is an uh, opportunity to just brag about themselves to people. And who cares? Instead who, of having fun you, at the you know, beach. Exactly. I, who really cares that you're at the beach? I don't really care that my friends are out hanging out with each other. That's just going to make me feel like I'm missing out. And to be honest with you, you're not because I was hanging out with my friends and guess what they were doing? Just looking at their pictures of themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's just one of the things. But, you know, the reality behind all this, the reality behind all this social media use, um, I have a couple of things. So one, it fosters lust, envy, depression, isolation and anxiety. It glamorizes pornography, especially child pornography. I have kids my brother's age, um, my brother's 17, but kids my brother's age and younger young girls posting bikini pictures of themselves normally like on a regular basis yeah. on instagram that's normalizing child pornography yeah, it and, and it's in the name of body positivity it's in the name of confidence and there's nothing wrong about feeling good about your body but don't post it for other people to see you know yeah. it's just not healthy um another thing is that it divides us and encourages us to believe that whatever we see as long as it fits our agenda or as long as it makes us feel good that's believable it's truth which is not true at all. Not because just because you see something on TikTok, just because you see something on Instagram, it's not always true. It's actually you should probably really take everything you see with a grain of salt because it's most of the time nine yeah, times out of not ten true. It's, it's not true. It's carefully just, curated exactly, content. Yeah. Snippets of my life. Yeah. Um, what would you say to the parent out there uh, who is watching us right now? They have the twelve to thirteen year old girl, maybe even younger, because the real issue is that Facebook wants to create an under thirteen platform for of Instagram. So what do you say to that parent 
who says, well, I can't control my kid. Well, I don't know if I should do anything about this. And what do you say to that mom who might be skeptical about what we're saying or doesn't think it's that big of a deal? What do you say to that person? Well, you can't control what your kids think, but you can control their atmosphere. You can control what environment that you put them in. So are you going to just give your kid a free babysitter, which I call, well, that's what I call iPads, free babysitters. Um, <laughs> you are. won't put them into the hands of our child care at church, but you'll hand them an iPad and put them in the hands of the world, which not all people, but that's just what more, most people do. So um, I have a couple of things um, to parents and kids. Number one to parents, I think that ch for children, social media is poison. It's poison to their brain. Um, and if it's not carefully monitored, you have no clue. You think you have, you think you have an idea, you really don't. There's just so many things, um, so many techniques that they keep adding features for kids to be able to hide stuff. I know Snapchat has a my eyes only feature. Mm. You can actually share your location with your friends on social media. So for what reason, I don't yeah, know why really you need scary. to know where your friends are every moment. But for young kids, I have five things. Number one, ground yourself in biblical truth, not in truth you see on Instagram, not truth from your friends, biblical truth. I think that, you know, that's something that a lot of kids, even in the church, that kids are missing out on. They don't realize that there's so much truth in the Bible that will make them see the world in a completely different standard, um, different perspective, I mean. And number two, form your own opinions about things and do your own research. That's going to make you seem like you know what you're talking about, first of all. And second of all, you're not blindly following whatever you see and you're not seeing the effects that will come from it. Uh, number three, find a Christ-centered community community of people, not a community of followers, not a community of friends on Snapchat. Find a Christ-centered community. So actual in-person Yeah, in-person. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. You know, don't miss out on that physical bond, that physical interaction that you're going to regret when you're older. Um, and you know what? I really emphasize Christ-centered because I really just don't believe there's any friendship like a Christ-centered friendship. Um, so that's why we have Elevate. So if you're a teen, come to Elevate, you know, go join or a small group if you're an adult. Or whatever church Yeah, whatever. Have, yeah, exactly. Yep. So because I forgot that, yeah. you know. Some, um, some non-Waters Church people. Yeah, non-Waters Church. <laughs> so find a, find a youth group, find a small group, find something, find a community. Um, number four, social media is not your supporter. Social media is not your friend. They're going to lie to you. They're going to tell you that, you know, we care about your mental health. We care about your body positive, whatever. It's a bunch of crap and they don't care. Jesus cares. Focus on Jesus, the only person that will ever truly care about you. Focus on family. If family is very important in your life, focus on the people and the things that truly care about you. Um, and the last thing that I think that I gained the most from not using social media is find a hobby. Find something to make something of yourself. And if you, you know, I'm not going to tell you, sit here and tell you not to use social media because it's not possible for a lot of people. But if you are going to use it, you know, Use it for your benefit, you know, share the gospel through it. You know, I know a lot of kids doing businesses through Instagram. That's a great idea. I think if you're able to do like a nail business, I know people selling like clothing on Instagram, great. Make something of yourself. Have a hobby, like a physical hobby, you know, to be able to make something of yourself. I One thing that I really love to do now is read. Um, over the summer, I think I read six books. Wow. I'm, re I'm, re I'm reading like my seventh book. So you know, do something with your life. I'm going to ask a very risky question. Okay, this is a risky question to put on YouTube, and this is not oh. pre-planned. Here's the question. <laughs> what did your parents do right, in your opinion, <laughs> that led you to get off of Instagram, if we did anything in that regard at all? But uh, did we do, what did we do right from, from, your, from your perspective? Crazy um, question. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I was actually thinking about this... Um, 
you know, really, like I said, you know, being in a Christ-centered community, for me, most of my life, I've been in church plants. And so through these church plants, I've made some of my closest friends. Um, and also, you've taught us that we're set apart. We're, we're meant to be different. Jesus was hated yeah. throughout his entire ministry. People didn't like Jesus. He, you know, people came at him all the time. People yeah. argued with him. People tried to stone him time and time again. He was set apart, and so are we as Christians. We are meant to be set apart from this world. We're not meant to be a part of this world. And so a lot of the times I see these kids and people and adults on social media trying to make something about them stand out. Well, as a Christ follower, you already stand out because you're not of this world. You're different. So I think that's something that my whole life I've really tried to aspire to be like because I realized looking at my parents, you know, the criticism that um, pastors you know, receive because, you know, they say a lot of offensive things and a lot of things that... Unpopular. Yeah, unpopular things. Things that will offend people that are unpopular, but biblical truth. Um, It's because as a Christ follower, that's the price you pay, you know? And we are meant to be set apart. We are meant to be different because, you know, we're not of this world. So I think that's something that really made me want to be different and made me want to continue to pursue Christ. And I really think it was that foundation of um, just following Christ. I really think that's what it was. But a lot of it, you just really summed up in saying getting to church. Your parents making church a priority. I mean, I have the ease of doing that because it is also my job. And so, you know, I have to get you to church. But there's a lot of parents that do this without having to have a job at the church. And it can be done. And you get them to soccer practice, hockey practice. You get them to ballet. You get them to gymnastics. Uh, you, You know what? You can put them in gymnastics and they could get sexually abused by the U.S. head of women's gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, that's not a laughing matter. Yeah. Uh, but we, we tend to think that the most valuable systems for our kids are all of these other extracurricular activities when the most valuable thing I think you would attest to in your life that you've seen and experienced is the fact that you've been part of the church yeah. your whole life. Yeah. And I remember when you were young and you were, at the, you were dancing of uh, you <laughs> dancing in the aisle of church when oh we were God, starting a church that, yeah. up in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, that's your life, and it has been the greatest blessing. What would you say to parents that you should avoid? Number one thing that parents should avoid doing with their kids concerning social media? Um, avoid the manipulation. Ooh, um, I think that's probably the number one thing I see in teens is that they're saying, um, helicopter parents, which I think to a degree, yes, don't helicopter your parent, your kids, you know, let them have some freedom. I, yeah. I think that Dave Ramsey has this thing where he says, give your kids a certain amount of rope and then see how they do with it. And then, mm. you know, continually let them use the rope um, until they fall. But then if they fall, you know, then you have to take some of that rope back. I think that's a great parenting thing um, when it comes to social media. Um, but avoid the manipulation um, of um, oh, like, I only have my best friends on this, or, oh, everyone's doing it. I hate, that's the number one thing that every kid says, everyone's doing it. So what if everyone's doing it? It doesn't make it right. Right. So um, just avoid that. I would also say just avoid, uh, I really I really can't think of this one. Avoid, like, time, over-excessive time usage. I really just think, you know, it's impossible to really avoid social media. It's part of everyday life. It's a part of businesses and stuff. School, Even schools now, my school had a social media page. Just Limit avoid, their time. yeah, avoid the over excessive use, you yes. know, and also cultivate family time, cultivate times to read the Bible together, cultivate times to do something with them, you know, and if you avoid that time spent on social media doing something together, that's going to be such more of an investment on their life. Yeah, so that's, that's what good. I would say. Well, Olivia Hatch, 
<laughs> Deep End correspondent on social media, or social media correspondent on Deep End. We're so glad that you were here. Thank you, thank you. And we uh, thank you for your input, and I hope, most importantly, that this helps some parents out there. It is possible to limit this destructive impact on your kids' lives. It is possible to parent in a way that will lead your children to a happier and healthier uh, mental uh, mental health. And you can do this, and we are here for you. That's why this uh, channel is here, to help you do that. I hope your children grow up to be strong, mighty in the Lord. And most importantly, they don't need the excessive followers or likes on Instagram to value themselves yeah. as the children of God. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much, Olivia. Thank you. Thank Maybe you we'll see you again. Yeah, we'll okay. see. <laughs> Bye-bye. Proud dad moment right there with my daughter, Olivia Hatch. And, uh, you know, I thank God for her. And give her a shout out if you like the content down below in the comments. And also, if you haven't already, make sure that you click that thumbs up button. Make sure that you click that subscribe button. Make sure that you click the notification bell so that you get notified on your smartphone device. Hey, instead of Instagram, click on TimHatchLive.com and join us there. But anyway... Back to the conversation and, and kind of moving forward, like, you know, maybe it's time for you to cut off Instagram or cut off social media for a little while. You know, this is what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter five, when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better that you lose one of the members of your body than to be thrown into hell with your, your whole body. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than to for your whole body to go into hell. I mean, I know these are, these are difficult texts and there is a deeper truth to this text that that sin is that devastating it will drag you to hell but there's also a practical application of the text no don't cut off your hand <laughs> but maybe cut out the things that are leading you into these cults into this cultish behavior by the way i think bill belichick man i love this guy new england coach new england patriots head coach he is fantastic with his interviews and his conference uh, news conferences he was asked about social media this week here's what he said first of all you know I, I don't really know or care anything about social media i don't even know what's out there or isn't out there so that's irrelevant to me thank you bill belichick wisdom <laughs> do something get off of these things get away I, i'm my point here in the commentary is we gotta break free from the cults now here's how we break free from the cults do you know what God has done to make sure that we're free from these things, free from following man, free from following political leaders, free from following the, the, the cult of our age? God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, cleanse us of our sins, remove from us the stain of our disobedience and iniquity so that his Holy Spirit can come in. And the answer to our cultish behavior is the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit now more than ever. Now the problem again, and this is this is first again diagnosis, is that right now there is a growing population of professing Christians that don't believe in the Holy Spirit, or at least they don't believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. This is from the ChristianPost.com. They reported a recent study that came out of the Cultural Research Center of Anna Arizona University. Some 62% of professing Christians contend, look at it there in the middle of the screen, contend that the Holy Spirit is not a real living being, but is merely a symbol of God's power, 
presence or purity. Let me tell you why the word symbol is so dangerous here. Because when the Holy Spirit can become a symbol, then a symbol of power, then the most powerful person can become our savior, can become our spiritual guru. Wrong. That's heresy. What, what the Holy Spirit is, is the third person of the Trinity. By the way, look at some of these other stats that have been produced from this study. 77% of professing Christians, again, born-again people, say that having faith matters more than which faith you pursue. What? 69% accepted feelings, experience, and the input of friends and family as their most trusted source of moral guidance. In other words, if you feel it, it must be right. These are born-again people, 70% of us. That is insane to me. 65% say there's no absolute moral truth. Again, the 62% of the Holy Spirit. 61% say that all religious faiths are of equality. 60% believe that if a person is good enough or does good enough good things, they can earn their way to heaven. My, my friends, I implore you to understand that what you see on your screen right now is heresy. Those statements are all heretical. And this is where we are as born-again people. I, I blame the pastors and the leaders of this country who fell for these cultish behaviors themselves. Instead of being leaders, they became followers. And this is why church leaders have become followers, because they are afraid of offending people. <laughs> They're afraid of saying things that aren't acceptable. And when you're afraid of what the people think, you're not a leader and you're now a follower. Interestingly enough, the last report from this study says this, uh, 44% believe that when they die, they will go to heaven, not only but only because they have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. In other words, nearly 6 out of 10 people who claim to be born again do not meet the widely accepted biblical definition of born again. Is it any wonder why then that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, verse 21, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does my, the will of my Father, which is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I will de declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What is Jesus saying? He's saying the problem is that there's going to be a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to go to the Father, or go to the Lord on the, on the day of judgment and say, did we not, did we not, did we not? Back, back, to, the, back to the stat. That 44%, only 44% believe that it is Jesus as their Savior. It's meaning 6 out of 10 believe that it is what they do that saves them. 6 out of 10 of born-again people. I don't care if unbelievers believe that. I care when professing believers believe that. Do you understand that your, your eternal salvation is not, the doctrine of eternal salvation is not something to be trifled with? This is why God gives you the Holy Spirit so that you can smoke out lies and know truth. In, in, in the book of John, Jesus talks about sending the Holy Spirit to, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Uh, Jesus talked about that believing in him was the work that leads to eternal life. Let's go back to the Bible cam over that because this is so important. Let's go back to the Bible cam. John chapter 6 now. And, and what does he say after he feeds the 5,000 in John chapter 6? Okay. Uh, where is it here? Verse 27. He says, do not work for the food 
that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Son, of, the Fa God the Father set a seal of approval. And then they said to him, what must we do? Emphasis. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Please don't miss this. Because these people were coming for free food. He says, no, 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 no. That was a sign pointing to me, the bread from heaven. Don't work for food that perishes. Work for the food that God will give you, me. And they say, okay, oh, so what do we do? In other words, what do we do to have eternal life? And what does Jesus say? He says, he says, believe. Believe in him whom the Father has sent. When we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes into our lives. And he provides a social networking that social media cannot compete with. It is social networking with God the Father himself. With God the Father himself. And with the body of Christ and with the truth of the word of God. The Holy Spirit is your connection. The Holy Spirit is the one, the person who breaks you free from the cults of this age. I implore you, come out of the cults and be set free in Jesus' name. Which reminds me, a way to get set free is to understand the gospel completely. And so tune in tomorrow for the deep dive. 7.30, right back here, we go through Romans chapter two. Well, not through the whole chapter, but a little bit of the chapter. Check us out at timhatchlive.com. Oh, I, you know what I haven't reminded you about it in a long time? This puppy right here. This is still for sale on timhatchlive.com. This is our deep end tumbler. And I think it's $12. That's pretty cheap. And it turns everything in it delicious. I call it the beard effect. So again, if you haven't already, click that like button. Click that subscribe button. Click that notification bell. And give the channel some love. I'm so glad that you were here. One more time, check us all out at all of our social media pages at Tim Hatch Live or forward slash Tim Hatch Live. This was The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. I'm so glad you were here. I will see you tomorrow night for The Deep Dive.